1: Welcome Giants fans, you are listening to the Valentine's Views Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. couple of topics for you on today's show. First we will talk about the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year Award, which will be announced on Saturday. Obviously, Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield are the two primary candidates for that award. And I will talk about uh, which one of those players I believe deserves that honor. Secondly, we will talk to CBS Sports salary cap analyst Joel Corey about many of the critical decisions that the New York Giants face this offseason. Okay, Giants fans, let's get right into our discussion of the Rookie of the Year Award. Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield, as I said, are the two primary candidates for that honor. And much to the chagrin of Giants Nation, I am going to take the stance that if I had a vote for this award, I would not give it to Saquon Barkley. Barkley was on ESPN earlier this week, and he said that he felt he deserved the award because he thought that you know players who played against him you know, believed he deserved it. He thought coaches who played against him believed he deserved it. I, however, look at it a little bit differently. I understand completely how great of a player Saquon Barkley is, how great of an individual season season that Barkley had gaining more than 2000 yards from the line of scrimmage setting all sorts of franchise records and NFL records for a rookie season i understand you know i believe that Saquon Barkley is the New York Giants best player that he is the guy around whom their offense needs to to be built he is the guy you know who leads them at this point in time but I believe that if I had a vote, I would give it to Baker Mayfield for one simple reason. Baker Mayfield is a quarterback and Baker Mayfield did something this season that Saquon Barkley as a running back could not do and that a running back is actually probably not capable of doing. Baker Mayfield changed a franchise. Baker Mayfield changed the Cleveland Browns from a loser from a team that won zero games to a team that won seven games in 2018. He changed the culture of the Cleveland Browns from a laughing stock to a franchise that now has a future. They have a franchise quarterback. They have a leader. They have a player around whom they can build. You know, Mayfield set a record for Touchdown passes thrown by a rookie with 27 in, I believe, only 13 or 14 games. You know, but that wasn't the impressive thing to me. The impressive thing was that, you know, Cleveland for so long was a laughing stock. Mayfield, with his talent and his attitude, changed the perception of the Cleveland Browns. He made that franchise. He made that city. He made that team believe in itself. He gave that team a future. Saquon Barkley is a wonderful player, but that is something that a running back cannot do. A running back cannot change completely the culture and the fortunes of a franchise. I believe that only a quarterback can do that, and that is why I would give the award to Baker Mayfield if I had a vote. You know, and that leads us back to, obviously, if we wanted to go there, it leads us back to the Barkley versus Sam Darnold discussion from a year ago. And to be honest, I mean, I will mention it, but I'm really not going to to belabor that point. You know, what it leads to is that the Giants, despite the brilliance of Barkley, despite the brilliance of Odell Beckham, you know, despite the progress that they made in 2018, the long term future of the Giants franchise, the long term success or failure of the tenures of GM Dave Gettleman and head coach Pat Shermer will not revolve around the success or failure of Saquon Barkley. It will revolve around whether or not they successfully transition from Eli Manning to a capable quarterback who can lead them back to the playoffs, who can lead them to winning games. Whether they can do that or not is what it comes down to. Not whether or not they're able to draft a solid running back, a good running back, a generational running back, And and going back to the original argument, that's why I give this award, you know, if it was up to me, I give it to Baker Mayfield, because he changed a franchise. All right, Giants fans, with that said, let's, uh, let's move on to our second topic of the day. I did an interview the other day with Joel Corey. Let me play that for you now. I'm joined now by CBS Sports Cap Analyst, Joel Corey, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Eli Manning contract situation, some of the other cap-related issues going on with your New York Giants. Joel, thank you very much for uh, for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, so obviously, you know, the big thing with the New York Giants at this point in time revolves around Eli Manning, and I saw that, you know, in your in your prediction piece a few days ago about uh you know players who could you know wind up in other places obviously Manning was on that list i think he's got a 23 million dollar cap hit coming up in 2019 there was a report in the new york post over the weekend that it does look like the giants are planning to uh to to go with eli again in 2019 you know, even though they may draft a, a young quarterback, a young replacement, uh, you know, as as an heir apparent, I don't see any real way that the Giants can can do that. And, and really, I don't see Manning coming back on that twenty-three million dollar cap hit. Would you expect at least you know an adjustment there somewhere?
2: Well, that's kind of left up to Eli whether he's willing to take a pay cut like his brother did for his final year in Denver. Big difference is his brother was on a contending team. I don't think anyone at this point in time is going to say the Giants are going to be a contender for Super Bowl 54. That's strictly a personal decision. Whatever is decided will come before the fifth day of the league year, which is St. Patrick's Day, because that's when Eli is due a $5 million roster bonus. If they plan on bringing him back and he's going to be the Alex Smith type of mentor that he was to Patrick Mahomes last season, then maybe there's some value in some of that money being devoted to getting his successor up to speed as well as him playing because it's $17 million in cash, 12, $11, 11, 7, 5, I think 11, 11 5 and 500 is a roster or something close to that. So, But once you pay that 5000000 million, you're kind of stuck with them. So this thing is going to come to a head pretty quickly. One thing the Giants shouldn't do is go the Drew Brees route with the Saints. Drew Brees has been playing at a much higher level than Eli Manning has for the past, I don't know, how many years. But what they've done is, and this is how they manage the cap, they kick the can down the road consistently. Although they've added voidable years to his contract, where you can stretch out out any bonus proration, but there's going to be a residual cap charge or dead money um, once he's eventually done. So in no way, shape, or form should the Giants go, you know, let's tack on up to four voidable years uh, to Eli's contract, convert some portion of his 2019 salary into signing bonus, and lower the cap hit from 23.2 that way. I think they just need to stay away from that. And if he plays for them, next season, he's off the books in 2020, and it's a fresh, clean slate. So perhaps
1: smarter on a long-term basis to just swallow the cap hit for 2019 rather than try to extend him, you know, and, and it, using what, you know what some people call, you know, those, those dummy years or voidable
2: years. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go that route, even though uh, Gettleman, well, really Rob Rogers, in Carolina had to do that because he inherited such a cap mess. The cap guy's been there forever, uh, Rob Rogers. But they did a lot of voidable years of contracts just to be able to function. The Giants aren't in that situation. Um, but I'd stay away from that uh, whole concept and just have a clean cap with him, Uh and just wipe the slate clean and be able to amass as much talent around whatever quarterback it is presumably Dwayne Haskins at number 6 on a go-forward basis beginning in 2020.
1: Interesting, you know, you mentioned Dave Gettleman, and that was actually something that I did want to ask you about if I remember correctly in Carolina, you know, Dave did have some issues with the salary cap when you look at the Giants, I mean, should Giants fans worry about Gettleman's ability to manage the cap? I mean, he did give away, he did give out a couple of what you would call bad contracts, you know, last last off season during free agency. I'm thinking about Jonathan Stewart, which wasn't a big, big contract, but still was probably a bad idea, and, and maybe the Patrick Omame deal. Was that a deal in Carolina where there wasn't much he could do about it, or you know, when you look back on it, did he perhaps not manage it as well as he could have?
2: Oh, when he got to Carolina, it was a bad cap situation. So, uh, playing the restructured game with the uh, make sure I got my right, Khalil's Ryan Khalil, the Jordan Grosses of the world, uh, multiple things with Jonathan Stewart's contract and on down the line was something that needed to be done. Um, I never understood the original um, Jonathan Stewart contract because I already had D'Angelo Williams as one of the highest-paid running backs in the league. Maybe Gettleman just has some sort of a affinity for Jonathan Stewart because I thought it was an overpayment based on what he did in Carolina to bring him in for the Giants where you definitely didn't get uh, a return on the investment. But it's a totally different situation from Carolina. The, the way I'm looking at it, right now the Giants are going to have roughly, depending upon where the cap comes in, 23 $24, 5000000 million of room, which isn't a ton, but you're not pressed up against the cap where you're forced to do things which are going to limit, potentially limit cap room in the future. So it's also kind
1: of interesting, you know, when you look at it. Let's talk about a couple of the uh, the veteran players. There's sort of an assumption when the Giants look at the two contracts I'm thinking about are Olivier Vernon and Janoris Jenkins. And there there's a little bit of an assumption that perhaps you know at least one of those guys might not be back with the giants you know in 2019 but are are you saying that really though when you look at the cap that they don't necessarily have to move have to move on from one of those guys you know strictly for cap reasons
2: well if you're trying to create cap room and be a major player in free agency i would try to trade those guys before that i would release them um, Jenkins has a one million dollar uh, fifth day roster bonus, so there's some more urgency with him. Vernon doesn't have anything like in his contract like that in his contract. If you can get a fourth and a seventh for Eli Apple, then you should be able i know Eli's much cheaper was much cheaper when he went to the Saints than Jenkins, but you should be able to get something because something's better than nothing in terms of cutting him, and he would free up. 7.75 million a cap room cap number is 14.75 if you cut them or release them now one of the problems with vernon is you already gave away one pass rusher who had a very good year in tampa and jason pierre paul the high ankle sprain kind of really hampered vernon's year but once he was healthy he was effective, but is he effective to the tune of where you're going to pay paying 15.5 million dollars for the upcoming season? Um, there's 8 million of dead money and 11.5 that could be saved by parting ways with him as well. So those are probably your two biggest areas to get cap room if Eli is safe. Obviously, if Eli is not there, that's 17 million you could say. But all indications seem to be that he's going to be back in some way, shape, or form. Could you get him to chop off the roster bonus where you guaranteed the remaining part of his salary? Yeah, I don't know, but I would, I would take, a, take a run at Eli, and then if he calls your bluff and says no, then maybe you're kind of stuck, and you're like, oh, we'll bite the bullet.
1: Yeah, so it's really, when it comes to Eli, it's really in his control because he does have the contract and, and he does have the, the roster bonus.
2: Yeah, and you can't trade him because not that it, not you're going to find a taker. Uh, but he's got a no-trade clause they had not been willing to, to waive. So uh, good luck getting him to waive a, a no-trade clause. I think the only place you could potentially get him to waive it, and I don't even know they want him, and it seems given their hires, that the Jaguars might be uh, have their sights set on um, Nick Foles to be the veteran quarterback to come in there, even though there's that Coughlin-Eli um, connection there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've been looking at that, and 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 I, I think I read that the same way that you do. I think that Jacksonville is kind of a team that's that seems to be set up as a team that you know two years ago, you know made a run at the Super Bowl, and you know last year had a, a disappointing season, but they seem to be a team that's that's set up to make a run at a veteran guy like Foles.
2: Oh, yeah, because they're thinking we got to the AFC Championship. Uh, We're just a quarterback away from being right back there in the mix. As long as we have someone who can walk and chew gum at the same time behind center, uh, then they're probably thinking we're going to be right there in the mix in the AFC South.
1: So, So, Joel, the one player that we really haven't talked about at this point, you know, in relation to the Giants, is Landon Collins. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit of over the the last few months, I've been a little bit mystified by the relationship between the Giants and Collins. I mean, he's a very, very good core, you know, still young player for the Giants. And yet the more that you read and the more that you hear and and, and the feeling that you get is, I'm still not sure that the Giants are sold on Landon Collins as a guy that they want to give a big, you know, long-term contract to, uh, you know, going forward. I mean, just before we even talk numbers, I mean, do do you get any sense of uh, of where this might be headed between Collins and the Giants?
2: Well, there were the reports in the middle of the season when he was rumored to be on the trading block and, and wasn't moved that he was destined for a franchise tag. That number's going to be right around the same as it was this year for safeties, which was a shade under eleven three. It's not really going to go up, so that would be the neighborhood to franchise him. That takes away from your cap room uh, and almost nearly chops it in half, uh, which would make moving Jenkins and or, um, or getting rid of Jenkins and or Vernon, um, a, little, a little more urgency to that. If they're not sold on him, then maybe that screams he plays on the franchise tag for a year, even though he initially said he didn't want it, and then he seemed to be a little more receptive to it. Uh, the safety market last year was just terrible. The, it, it was like pulling teeth for any free agent safety to get a long-term deal at $5 million per year. That's not going to happen this year because the guys who are going to be available, who have expiring contracts, are higher caliber. Uh, The Honey Badger, Tyron Matthews out there again. And that's a guy that could be interesting because of the Arizona connection with the defensive coordinator. Um, Earl Thomas is going to be out there. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner is going to be out there. Ha-ha, Clinton Dix. I don't think the shoulder injury surgery is going to impact Landon Collins at all. I don't think. The broken leg is going to hurt Earl Thomas. We saw last year a torn ACL didn't really do much to affect um, Allen Robinson. He still got over $14 million a year with $25 million fully guaranteed at signing to go to Chicago. And two years ago, uh, Matt Khalil barely played, had hip surgery, and signs for $11 million a year to be a left tackle in Carolina. So a seasoning injury isn't the kiss of death that used to be
0: uh,
2: for a potential free agent. Um, so I remember that if you had a seasoning injury, you're basically going to go one year approve a deal, but that's not the case anymore. So,
1: you know, look into your crystal ball, and, and what do you think might be, you, you know, obviously you said the safety market was depressed, you know, in, in 2018 value-wise. What kind of deal might you know, Landon Collins be able to expect you know either from the Giants or or you know in free agency if he does get out and hit the open market.
2: Oh, he's going to set the bar really high. He's going to want to be one of the highest paid safeties in the league uh, right now. That's Eric Berry at 13 million per year. So he's going to be looking, and that has 40 million or overall guarantees. He's going to be looking to be in the double digits. That's why the franchise tag may actually uh, be a good thing because the other guys will be free could presumably reshape the market, and then both sides would have a better indication of where the market actually is. Because um, you would think that the Giants would want more than the at most third-round compensatory pick they would get, I guess they would be in 2020, if he uh, left on the open market. That's assuming that the losses, gains, and free agency in his contract is high enough where it works out that way.
1: So the franchise tag might be, you know, in the ballpark of at least for a year of the right way to pay him, and then figure out what the, you know, what the market is paying
2: safeties. Yeah, because then you can see where these guys who are going to be free uh, end up, and then you can really use that as a basis for discussions on a long-term deal. But if you put the franchise tag on him, his agent's going to go, okay, that's uh, basically going to be eleven three. 13.6 or so. So we're talking two-year deal averaging about 12.4 because that's what agents will do. If you could put a franchise tag, they'll assume the second one and use that average of the two is like a foundation for for the to approximate the average of the long-term deal, and, and that amount is what should be fully guaranteed at signing, discounting it a little bit um, potentially. So you'd be talking over $20 million fully guaranteed at signing and a deal in the 12.5 neighborhood per year if you go the franchise tag route that's how the agent's going to use it but if the market doesn't come in near that then he's going to have a hard time justifying that because there's no way that they put a second franchise tag on him knowing that that's not representative of where the market is
1: so Joel I can't let you go without throwing an Odell Beckham question your way I just can't do it (laughs) so I still get questions, even now, with with the contract that Odell has, and and you know, and, and what looks like the massive cap hit, you know, that that it would take for the Giants to, to move on from Odell Beckham. And obviously, I'm not expecting it. I'm not anticipating it. I'm not endorsing it. But is there a way, if the Giants ever wanted to, you know, within the next year or two? Is there a way for them to move on from Odell Beckham you know, if, it, if it ever went that way where they can do it without crushing their salary cap?
2: Yeah, they can do it. Look at JPP. They signed him one year, uh, traded in the next, took a $15 million dead money hit this year. It would be 16 if you traded uh, Odell Beckham before June 2nd, uh, but you pick up $5 million a cap room and you'd be wiping uh, the rest of his salaries and cap numbers off the books um, 2020 through 2023. Presumably, you'd have to get more than Amari Cooper's first-round pick and probably less than the two first-round picks that um, the Bears gave up for Khalil Mack. What I think is more likely this year than a trade is they restructure his contract, which means that he's probably not going anywhere in the next couple of years. And if you do that, you're going to pick up uh, at most slightly over twelve point seven five million a cap room if you take him down to his eight hundred eight hundred five thousand uh, dollar minimum salary. Uh, convert almost fifteen, almost sixteen million in the signing bonus and lowers cap number to slightly under 8.25. If they do that, he's not definitely won't be traded next couple of years cuz that's going to add about 3.2 million in proration to each of the remaining years after 2019 cap wise. Now, if if he really wants to get out of town, given how much ownership hates him talking publicly about things going on and expressing his opinion, He'll be a chatterbox with the media. If that'd be a telltale sign to me. That's a deliberate strategy where he wants out.
1: But you really, you know, they, they just signed him to this long-term deal, you know, last summer. You you think that it's possible that they would go back to him and try to restructure some of that already this offseason?
2: He's got a $21 million cap number, so... There are teams like Dallas who design deals with those offensive linemen. They've they've uh, extended that the following year after the extension. It's pretty much a given they're going to create cap room. In the way most contracts, big contracts are structured in NFL NFL nowadays. You don't have to go back to the player and ask his permission or get him to agree to it because teams have built in an automatic right to convert salary in the signing bonus where he's compelled, by the way the contract's written, to sign a new contract which has a restructure in it. So I'm not sure if they did that with him, but given that's the latest trend, I'd be shocked if they didn't. But typically when you're going to do that for a guy you expect to be around long term. So if they do get cap room from him, then you can kind of kiss goodbye the concept of him not being a giant. Um, in 2020 and maybe 2021 because they wouldn't add the proration for a guy that they didn't think fit long-term.
1: Interesting stuff. You know, the salary cap is is such a mystery to so many people. Everybody sort of obsesses about how much cap space do the Giants have today? You know, how much cap space do they have the next day? And I I always tell people that that the bottom line with the salary cap is – that, that if you need room to make a move that you want to make, there's almost always a way to manipulate the cap to get that done.
2: Yep, that is so true. That's why someone like Beckham could be restructured and create up to close to $13 million in cap room, should they choose to do that. They don't have to, if they did restructure, it wouldn't have to be bring a salary down to the league minimum, but that's the max they could do. But, yeah, you're right. Anytime you need cap room, you can pretty much find it from somebody.
1: Joel, before I let you go, why don't you uh, tell folks, uh, if they're not already following you on Twitter and not already familiar with their work, uh, tell them where they can find you.
2: Okay, my Twitter name is Corey Joel, last name, first name, and you can find uh, my work at cbssports.com. I have a regular column called an agent's take. uh Last article, uh, which uh, you referenced, was on ten players who could be in different uniforms next year, which goes over the who identifies guys and the cap ramifications if they're cut and traded.
1: Joel, we always uh, always appreciate talking to you. It's been a while since uh, since you and I chatted, but uh, appreciate your taking a few minutes, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll talk to you again soon.
2: Sounds good. Anytime.
1: All right, my thanks to Joel for spending some time with us. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at BigBlueView View if you want to debate my point regarding Mayfield versus Barkley. Uh, I won't be hiding here under my desk. I will stand by what I said. I know that that will make many in uh, in the Giants universe unhappy that I didn't pick uh, that I didn't pick the Giant player. For that honor, but uh, it is what it is. It's what I believe. It's uh, it's what I try to do is to give you my honest opinion, not the uh, the Homer opinion. So uh, so you know I'd be happy to uh, to hear what you have to say on Twitter. Also uh, you can uh, you can check out Big Blue View on Instagram at big underscore blue underscore view. Check us out on Facebook. And please be sure to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
2: More to-dos,
1: less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.